The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 163 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, I will be talking with Douglas Frost, PE, who is a senior vice president at Dewberry. Doug currently serves as the quality assurance manager for the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project. Now, what's so cool about that, you might ask? Well, this project is the largest construction project in Virginia's history at a measly $3.8 billion. And Doug is going to talk about Dewberry's involvement in the project and some really interesting aspects of the project. Also, at the very end of the episode, during the hot seat, he's going to give some really, really interesting career advice that was passed along to him by Sid Dewberry, founder of Dewberry. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. And I've read so much about civil engineering through putting on this podcast and doing videos. I kind of consider myself a civil engineering nerd at this point. My wife is a civil engineer, so we have those conversations at dinner. So I'm really surrounded by civil engineering, and I really love it. Before we get started here, I want to touch on two important happenings for next week. Firstly, the 18th of February is Introduce a Girl to STEM Day. This day gives young female students a unique opportunity to discover engineering careers alongside world-class scientists and engineers. That is something that we are very focused on here at EMI. In fact, I was recently selected to the board of directors for the GEMS Camp, a nonprofit organization that focuses on providing STEM awareness and education to underserved girls. If you'd like to learn more about the GEMS Camp, you can check it out at thegemscamp.org, and I'll be talking more about that on some of our content to really amp that up. We need to get more diverse in engineering, and this is my way of trying to help with that initiative. Also, I'm thrilled to announce that registration for our new Engineering Leadership Accelerator People Skills Development course officially opens Monday, February 15th. And if you're interested at all in developing your people skills, just go to engineerpeopleskills.com because right now we're in the midst of rolling out six free videos that we put a lot of effort into, not just about the course, but about how you can develop your people skills, including a full blueprint to do that, the one attribute that a lot of engineers don't focus on. This is all in this free video series at engineerpeopleskills.com. Check it out today. And I promise you, even if you don't enroll in the course, you'll take something out of the videos. In fact, the second video has a productivity tool that you can use immediately at no cost and just dramatically boost productivity. So I hope you'll check that out. Now, I'd like to introduce our guest for the episode, Douglas Frost. Doug has spent his entire career leading teams in the delivery of inspection, engineering, construction, and scientific-related professional services. Throughout his career, he's executed and managed quality, demanding services that involve the application of materials tests, use of precision measurements, design drawings, specs, and cost estimates. He has experience in developing, administering, and executing quality assurance surveillance plans, QASPs, 
and adhering to ISO 9002 quality standards at each organizational level. He just really has a lot of experience, Doug, with mega projects like this Hampton Roads Tunnel project. And this project, as I said, is the largest construction project in Virginia's history. This transformative project is expected to be completed by November 2025. It will widen the current four-lane segment of the I-64 HRBT corridor in Norfolk and Hampton and bore new twin tunnels. That's right, bore new twin tunnels. The expansion will increase capacity, ease major congestion, and enhance travel time reliability. The construction contract, owner's costs, and contingency brings the project's total budget to that $3.8 billion making it one of the largest infrastructure projects in the country. Now, before we jump in with Doug, I just want to quickly recognize our sponsor for the episode. This is a free show, and the only reason that this episode is free, or all the episodes on the Civil Engineering Podcast are free, is because of our sponsors. So we ask that you please support them. Now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, ACI. The American Concrete Institute is a brilliant organization that has helped many people. Are you a member of the American Concrete Institute? You should be. ACI is a worldwide community of 30,000 professionals, educators, and students in more than 100 countries. The premier global community dedicated to the best use of concrete. Starting on January 1st, this year, ACI launched new member benefits. ACI members now have free access through annual subscriptions to all ACI University live webinars, free access to 260-plus on-demand courses, and unlimited access to the Institute's practices, including all ACI guides and reports and symposium volumes. ACI members push the concrete industry further, adapting to new technology, investing in their careers, and dedicated to improving concrete design materials and construction. You don't have to be an ACI member to work in the concrete industry, but if you want to exceed expectations in it, there's no better place to be. Whether you're a student just starting out or have years under your belt, ACI membership ensures that no matter what changes the world brings, you will be prepared to thrive and your life's work will last for generations. Right now, ACI is offering a $30 discount on new individual and young professional membership. Students' memberships are already free. You can join ACI today at concrete.org forward slash podcast three zero. That's concrete, C-O-N-C-R-E-T-E dot org, O-R-G forward slash podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T three zero. And I just want to mention something here. We preach about the importance of getting involved with these outside organizations outside of your company and how they can boost your career. And ACI is one of them. And you can get a great deal right now and get into an organization that can help you to build your reputation as well as the reputation of your firm. With that, let's dive into our Civil Engineering Conversation of the Week with Doug Frost. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I am excited to welcome our guest onto the podcast for today. Today's guest is Doug Frost, Senior Vice President at Dewberry. Doug, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Glad to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. Of course, we're going to be you know, talking about the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project, which is really a mega project, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But before we go there, Doug, I'd love for you to start off by just giving our listeners a little bit of a background on yourself in terms of your career and what you do today at, at Dewberry. 
Like you said, I am a senior vice president with Dewberry. I'm the regional manager in the Mid-Atlantic region for our construction management and our inspection services division. I have a, uh, a fairly lengthy career as a professional engineer, mostly focusing on large project management and managing numerous quality assurance and quality control programs. Currently, I'm quality assurance manager on one of the biggest transportation projects on the East Coast, and I'm excited to talk about that as we go through this podcast. In my capacity there, I'm responsible for ensuring design and construction meet the technical requirements of the contract. And day-to-day, I oversee quality-focused team of professional engineers and certified inspectors. And that's probably the most rewarding part of my career. Anthony, is that that I get to work with lots of different people from lots of different educational backgrounds, lots of different nationalities. It brings me real joy to to try to help people improve their careers. That is what I think is one of the really cool things about the world of civil engineering. With all these complex projects that contain a lot of moving parts, they also contain a lot of people. People have to put these projects together, and you know we often get to work with different people, as you suggest, which I think it does make for a very rewarding experience. So it's it's great to hear you mention that there. So let's talk a little bit about this project, the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project. Now I gave a brief intro in, in the beginning, and it is the largest construction project in Virginia's history. I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about the project as a whole, kind of the goal and mission of this project as we dive in here. Everybody, I'm sure, listening has suffered uh, from being stuck in traffic, heavy congestion, travel into the beaches or around the large metropolitan areas, and how frustrating it could be when you're stuck in traffic in a hot car. Pretty simply, the mission, the purpose of this project is to relieve major transportation congestion on the I-64 corridor from Hampton Roads uh, down underneath the water to Norfolk. And so not only the congestion is an issue, uh, one of the primary purposes is also to improve safety because the traveling public, as uh, speeds seem to continue to rise throughout the nation, you have to have roadways that are sensitive to safety needs of the, of the automobile and the trucks that are using them. There's you know a lot of different components of this project, and I mentioned it earlier, and I'll mention it again, that there is a website for the project, hrbtexpansion.org, where you can actually see a pretty cool video that kind of is split screen, and it shows you the existing versus what the proposed is to look like when the project is complete. There's also a, a map that really outlines the project and shows how there's four lanes to six lanes in one area, four lanes existing to eight in one area, and, and it really gives you a really good overview in terms of really getting a feel for it because this is really a mega project. I mean, the project is massive. And, and Doug, that's kind of one of the questions that I had for you is working on projects of this size must be something that is really interesting. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that you wanted to do in your career, you kind of just found your way to these projects, or how did that happen? It is, Anthony, very exciting when you get your teeth into one of these very large projects. You know, I recently completed a project in Northern Virginia on the Dulles Metro expansion from Reston out through the airport to Ashburn. That was a, actually a really fun project because all the different kinds of elements of construction you're working with. And I thought this is probably the culmination of the best project I worked on in my career. 
And then all of a sudden, I got an opportunity to work on the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel, which for equal reasons, but perhaps slightly different kind of construction, is uh, another huge mega project. In fact, it's probably uh, on the order of two times the Dulles Metro uh, Extension project. Tunnel project is unique because it's bringing in some technology that hasn't been used but three times prior to this project. It's the tunnel boring method or the tunnel boring using TBM, tunnel boring machine method of uh, creating a tunnel under the water. It's pretty exciting. And the depth and breadth of this project allow me to touch just about every facet of this construction, which is probably unique to my role in the quality discipline, because I do get to see everything that's going on from the land side of the project, the trestle construction, uh, the pile installation, the approach side on the South Island and the North Island, the approaches, and then the tunnel boring machine operation itself. Very exciting. We're talking about, you know, working on these mega projects, and I'm sure that where you work in terms of the company you work for is certainly a function of the types of projects that you get exposed to and that you get to work on. So before we deep dive into Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Project, talk a little bit to us about Dewberry's expertise in the transportation infrastructure space in general, specifically on QAQC for transportation projects, because you've already mentioned a few of them. Dewberry you know, has been in the design and construction engineering inspection business for uh, more than 50 years. We've completed more than 50 transportation, very large transportation design projects in the Washington, D.C. metro area and throughout the East Coast, hundreds of projects. We have 50 offices geographically located throughout the U.S., but with a heavy concentration on the East Coast. Locally, like I talked about, one of our biggest was the Dulles Metro. We also did Montgomery County Interconnector uh, Highway a few years back, but the tunnel project is by far our largest one. Interestingly enough, we are also doing the expansion of I-64 about 30 miles west of the Hampton Roads Tunnel Project, where we're doing the quality control under a, a local contractor. And we have done, like I said, numerous quality control and inspection projects over the 50-year period. The unique thing about Dewberry is Dewberry, because of their strength in transportation design, we get to design the project and then we get to watch the construction of the project and inspect the construction to make sure that what's being constructed was the intent of the designers. The fact that we're able to provide both those services we believe is a, a great benefit to the contractors and to the traveling public that use these completed projects because we can make sure that the designer's intent is what actually gets constructed in the field. I'm glad you elaborate on that a little bit because I know a lot of our listeners having to make a lot of career decisions like what size company should I work for small, big, and you know we're not going to get really into that, but I think there's benefits to each for sure. And I, I worked at a smaller company myself. With a larger company, there's a good opportunity to get involved with some of these mega type projects if that's something that you're interested in. And of course, you could be work at a smaller company and sub to a larger company. That's another way to do that. I definitely think that the experience of someone's company and their services and their capabilities can definitely potentially really drive the types of projects that you can work on. And, you, and it sounds like Doug's been able to work some, some really exciting 
projects here. So with that being said, let's get into this Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel expansion project a little bit deeper. So Doug, talk to us just first about the budget of this project and the timeline of the project, since you already talked a little bit about the kind of the mission and the goal of the project. Big budget on this project, pretty close to $4 billion with a B. Like you mentioned earlier, Anthony, it's it's the largest project on the East Coast right now. It's hard to fathom a uh, $4 billion project. It's going to take better part of five years to do this. It's a design build. So the designers are designing that as fast as uh, the contractor wants to construct it. They're just keeping ahead of the due dates on the delivery of the plans. It's a very fast paced kind of environment. One of the fun things, and I think a lot of your listeners and the reason they went into civil engineering is because they like to solve problems. I mean, that's what engineers do. They solve a problem around constructing something, whether it's the design part that they're solving or during construction, they're trying to solve what mother nature might have put there that they didn't expect. But that's uh, one of the fun things is solving problems. So this particular project and the, the magnitude of the project is very exciting. I will mention that the tunnel boring machine itself and we can get into some details about it. But as we talk about cost of things, the tunnel boring machine is over $110 million just for the boring machine itself. Uh, it's being constructed in uh, Germany and they'll they'll deassemble it. They'll ship it over here. And uh, we can talk more about some of the attributes of that as we go forward. When you're dealing with a $4 billion project, you're probably dealing with a lot of problems that come up on the project, not because it's a bad project, but because that's what projects are. I mean, every day in projects, you find problems, you solve problems. That's how projects get done. If projects were easy and everything went according to plans and you wouldn't need as many civil engineering professionals and other professionals out there on the job sites that you have, that's one of the challenges and, and what makes for a good civil engineering professional is one that can address problems as they come up and try to, of course, keep your projects on schedule and on budget. and obviously. We're talking about big time schedule and budget here. It certainly is a, a challenging initiative. And so let's get into some of that technology and equipment and procedures that are kind of being used during this project. You mentioned the machine there. Have you been involved with a project with a machine like this before? I have not. And, and I'll tell you, there probably aren't that many folks that have, because like I had mentioned earlier, this is only the fourth time in the USA that they've employed a, a tunnel boring machine concept to drill the tunnel. It's a kind of a behemoth machine. I'll tell you that it's uh, almost as the diameter is almost as tall as a four story building. It's like 46 feet in diameter. And the whole assembly of this tunnel boring machine is like the length of a football field. There's lots of hydraulics. There's lots of soil screw jacks that take the soil from the cutting head back out through the tunnel opening where it can be picked up and then carted off to a disposal site. The machine itself would probably just keep somebody occupied understanding how it works for the better part of a month. Again, very large piece of equipment, which really, when they finally assemble it, and that won't be till spring of 22, uh, about a year from now, it's going to take a year to go from the South Island to the North Island. And then they have to deassemble it and turn it around on the North Island to go from the North Island to tunnel under the water to the South Island. And that whole process is going to take a little over two years 
just for the tunnel boring machine. This is why when you talk about projects or when you look at a video or look at a, a rendering of what a project is going to be, it just doesn't do it justice and, and doesn't tell the story when you understand the stages of a project, you know, exactly what Doug just explained in terms of how long it takes to go and bore for one tunnel, then taking it apart, turning it around. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. And Doug, in addition to the that machine, are there any other technologies, procedures, processes that you can share with us that are being used on this project? In order to get the tunnel boring machine to the point where you can start going down through the ground and under the water, there are some pretty massive installations of what we call slurry walls. And that is an enclosure, essentially a concrete wall enclosure that's installed to depths of 190 feet. They basically install them in panels about five feet wide and about 10 feet long. And they uh, have massive digging machine and they basically have excavate out a five foot by 10 foot, 190 foot deep panel. And then they fill it with concrete from the bottom. They use a slurry to keep it from collapsing, but they pump uh, somewhere on the order of 800 cubic yards of concrete into this panel. They move over a couple panels and they start it all over again. It's also heavily reinforced. So there's a huge reinforcing cage that's placed down into the excavation uh, before they add the concrete. And they are creating a, essentially a closed ring of the wall, if you will, at the tunnel approaches so that you can keep the water, which the tunnel is about 50 feet below the water table right there at the harbor. So you have to keep the water out and keep everything nice and dry. That's just the one approach that they're working on now. Another thing they had to do is on the north side of this project on the North Island, the island itself wasn't big enough to accommodate the additional two tunnels. And so they had to start by expanding the North Island, which involved dredging out, removing armor stone on the current island and dredging out the muck, adding and constructing a whole new section of island. And they're in the process of doing that as well. So Doug, talk about Dewberry's kind of role in this project overall, just so we can get a sense for kind of what you're doing, what Dewberry's doing out there. So Dewberry's role in this is associated with the quality program. And Dewberry um, has contract to provide the quality assurance for the entire five-year project. The quality program is a multi-layered approach. It includes both the owner, which is uh, the Virginia Department of Transportation, VDOT. So VDOT owns the project. It's being paid with taxpayer dollars. There won't be any tolls associated with this tunnel. So VDOT has the quality oversight and responsibility where they empower the contractor to administer what we call the quality control portion of the contract. And the quality control is focused mostly on testing the materials that are used for construction, like the concrete and the steel and the backfill and soil and the grout and the lights and just about every material in some fashion has a testing requirement built into the specifications. That is a HRCP, which is the Hampton Roads Connectors Partners joint venture. They hire the quality control company to do that. 
our role is uh, quality assurance. And so we kind of sit above the quality control folks. And our job is a lot of documentation because if you don't have it documented, you can't prove you ever did it. Our role is heavily focused on identifying things that aren't quite right. We call them non-conformances. And this, these are things that just happen during normal course of construction, concrete truck shows up and they are supposed to unload their concrete within a certain period of time. And for whatever reason, it gets delayed and they go over their time. There are quality assurance roles that we play to make sure that that concrete is still acceptable, that it's documented in the system so that if there are any issues in the future, we can go back to the records and identify that concrete was acceptable and uh, met the requirements. One of the questions I had for you, Doug, was with regard to the COVID-19 pandemic, was that something that was hurtful or helpful to the project? Because I can think of ways it might be helpful with traffic, less traffic and things, but I wanted to ask you about that. So that's a great point, Anthony. I will tell you that during this COVID-19, which I wouldn't want to wish on the globe population ever again, but you made a very astute point, and that is there is a whole lot less traffic. So all these contracts with the transportation agencies throughout the country, the contractors, frankly, got a really good break from having to do all this traffic control. Fewer cars on the highway meant a couple of things. One, the contractor work efforts and schedule uh, wasn't impeded. And secondly, there's been uh, many, many fewer construction deaths from accidents because there's fewer cars on the road. The challenges, obviously, are like everyone else in the country that has to work remotely. Is It's a little tougher sometimes when you have 15 or more people in a meeting, and sometimes people are talking over each other. But overall, the progress of the, of the design and the construction has moved forward. And really, I can't say that there has been any major delays because of COVID. There have been cases, both uh, the contractor staff, the des- designers and some of the administrative folks. There have been cases of folks uh, with COVID. The company did take proactive action. We did alternating weeks in the office. So we had an A team and a B team. We kind of split down the middle and you'd either be in the office or you'd be working from home the next week and vice versa. I've kind of been hearing that from talking to a lot of people in the industry that some of these transportation projects, you know, it's a terrible thing, of course, but benefited in in certain ways just because of the traffic and and things of that nature. Especially a project like this, and you talked about a lot of different moving parts, the slurry wall, the machines, the processes, all the different people involved. Safety is always a paramount, something that everyone holds at the forefront when thinking about our types of projects, right? From the engineers to the contractors, everybody has to have that at the forefront of their mind. I would imagine that on this project, you know, there are a lot of safety risks. Can you talk a little bit about safety on a project like this? Because this is such an important topic, the company has an entire safety division and there's a, a safety orientation. There are classes you can't get a badge, a badge to work on the project unless you go through the safety courses. There are safety professionals out there making sure that the rigging on the equipment is correct, that everyone's following the proper procedures. Lots of safety risks on construction projects. I mean, some of the typical ones, the trips, slips and falls, 
that occur, you know, frequently, but don't typically end up in any lost days work. You have, you know, a fair amount of hand pinching and eye injuries from debris, but the most critical of any of these are the accidents that occur when you're out on the roadway with construction personnel and you got the traveling public speeding down the highway, typically above the posted speed limit, which in in a construction zone is usually much lower than the typical speed limit for a section of highway. And folks on their cell phones, obviously, you know, we've all heard of folks getting killed because somebody wasn't paying attention. So the riskiest part of this project is probably those construction workers that are out really working close to the moving traffic. You hate to hear about things like that, but, you know, I think that's obviously a big component of what civil engineers do and and other professionals in construction do is, you know, we have to focus on the safety side of it and bigger the project, again, probably bigger the risks as well. One other question that I had in terms of the project, and really maybe this is, you know, mega projects in general, Doug, but when you work on a project like this yourself, the, the rest of the Dewberry team, and there are special circumstances like the tunnel boring machine, like some processes that they might use, like slurry walls, et cetera. Do you and your team, I guess to some degree, have to get educated around these processes, these machines to some degree? Is there, is there some of that that takes place on these different projects? There are. And my background is actually, I'm, I'm a geotechnical engineer by education. And so some of the unique things that they're employing construction techniques they're employing on this project. I was fortunate enough in my previous 40 years of work to have uh, some knowledge about and having worked on other projects uh, similar to have some working knowledge. But I can assure you that I don't know everything about every new technique they're using down there. It does take a team effort. There are a number of specialty subcontractors that the general contractor is employing, like the slurry wall. They have what we call continuous flight augers, which are auger piles they're installing. There are a number of specialty subcontractors that will work on this project. Unless you work for a specialty contractor, it's probably new to a lot of folks. We do rely on them to educate us during the way on how they conduct their business how they do their installation, the equipment and the capabilities, how they monitor uh, the efficiency and certain parameters of the equipment as they install various construction components into the process. We have to be very proactive with our inspector team because they're out there inspecting this work. They need to understand in detail what they're supposed to be looking for, what is unique about it. And so we take a great pride in in educating folks to what they need in order to do their job out there. We create checklists. We have kickoff, quality kickoff meetings before a large component of, of the construction would start. We make sure everybody's on board, understands what their role is, and open up for questions. And we do involve the specialty contractors because they're the experts and they can answer uh, just about any question you throw at them. I'm just thinking in terms of the whole project, even way back from the beginning, in terms of bidding on projects like this, providing cost estimates for your services on projects like this. I think the education and training component of a project like this really has to be considered because it takes time, it takes effort, and you have to be prepared for that. And so that's something that I think would be, you know, on a larger project would be really important. 
Doug, last question kind of related to, to mega projects kind of in general here is, do you have any advice for civil engineering professionals out there that are planning to or are interested in getting involved with these kind of mega projects? What could you offer from your experiences to date? What I could offer is uh, figure out a way to get on the project, whether you're working for the contractor as a, a junior engineer or a mid-level engineer assisting in actual construction, whether you're interested in on the design side, because it's a team that builds these. It's not a particular entity. So in this particular project, there are two design, very large design team companies, and you could get a job in the, in the design side of it. You could get a job on the construction side of it, where you're, you're out there solving the construction problems, uh, installing the components, you could get involved on the quality side of the house where we have you know many professional engineers on the quality side understanding the the testing and the inspection and evaluating the test results for compliance specifications you, i mean if you're interested in big time scheduling construction scheduling the schedule on this project is probably 350 pages long large pages by the way and it's changing all the time there's a job somewhere on this project if you have the interest, you know, to pursue the civil engineering side of the house. I know a lot of our listeners are interested in mega projects, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have Doug come on and kind of talk through some of the aspects of it because they are, you know, very complex. And for someone like me, I, I worked on really smaller projects when I was practicing as a civil engineer. And so even all the stuff that I'm hearing from Doug here is really eye-opening and exciting and can be very exciting. So with that, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a break for a minute. I'm going to come back. We're going to ask Doug just a few more uh, career questions to finish up on our civil engineering hot seat segment, and we'll be back in a minute. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, I'm back with Doug Frost, Senior Vice President at Dewberry. Doug talked a lot so far about the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project, which is the largest construction project in Virginia's history. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit, Doug. We're going to put you on what we call the civil engineering hot seat and ask you a couple of last questions around your career. You ready? Yes, I am. Go for it. So first question, are there any specific rituals that you might practice every day? Maybe you have a specific morning routine, a lunchtime routine, just something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to you being successful in your career? With the COVID and computers and emails, I don't know how you would ever get away from having to start your day by uh, looking at all the emails that you got from the previous day that you never got a chance to look at. So I usually start my day by going back through my emails, making sure that I can respond to anybody that sent me an email, see if there are any real issues I may have missed the previous day. More a, a general idea that I try to keep the tip of my tongue all the time or front of my mind, I guess, is I always try to put myself in the shoes of, of the other person that I may be interacting with. Because like we talked about before, it's a team effort and there are often lots of problems that you have to solve. And sometimes your ideas and your team members' ideas may not mesh. I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes and say, well, how would I feel or what would I be concerned about if I was in their position? All right. Next question, Doug. Is there one book 
that you might recommend to a civil engineer? It doesn't have to be engineering related at all, or just, you know, one book that you maybe found helpful for you in your professional development or your personal development, any books that you might recommend or one book? Well, there's a host of books if you're interested in, you know, civil engineering, career advancement, and how to better your management skills or your leadership skills. And I've read a a number of them. One that stood out was um, a book called Participative Management. And the reason why I enjoyed that book is because I've always tried to empower my staff that reports to me. And I try to raise the bar and, and so that they would expand their capabilities on whatever tasks they were given. Empowering a, a, you know, a young engineer is a very rewarding. And I've had lots of young engineers working for me, both male and female. And that gave me a lot of satisfaction that I was pushing them to do things that they didn't even know or think they could do. And I have had a number of folks come back and say, you know, I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. I'm not exactly sure why you thought I could do it, but I learned a lot and it turned out being very successful for me. We've had 163 episodes on the podcast and you're the first person that mentioned that book. It's always good to get a first time book on the podcast because we get a lot of the same books. So that's great stuff there. And yeah, I I agree 100%. I mean, based on what we do at EMI is a lot of training on helping engineers become better managers and leaders. And really what it boils down to a lot is interaction with people. And so it's good to hear that you invested in in those skills and that they've, sounds like they're paying off, which is great. So Doug, thinking back on some of the managers that you might've had throughout your career and not asking you to name names or anything, but if you just think about some of maybe your favorite managers over your career, what was it that made them your favorite? What were the characteristics that you remember, the things that they did that stand out to you that made you really remember them in a positive way? Probably their willingness to take on something that they may not actually think they know a lot about. They also had a particular drive, right, for quest for knowledge, because in order to solve a problem that you really don't have a background on, you have to almost become an investigator. It's certainly a little easier these days with Google, but you have to peel the onion back and understand maybe some of the details associated with an activity that you've never experienced before. Much like the discussion on the new construction on the Hampton Road Bridge Tunnel, where people were never exposed to a particular construction method, the simple thing to do is go ahead and do some research. You can educate yourself rather quickly using um, the computer and, and Google searches, but I guess it was their maybe innate desire to solve a problem and willing without even having an experience to take on the challenge. I've had a a lot of folks work for me that fit that kind of mold. We would have a challenge instead of sitting back and waiting for somebody else to raise their hand, you know, they would raise their hand and say, well, I'll try to do that. The key may be try, you know, if you try 49 out of 50 times, you're probably going to be successful. People often say that you can really kind of measure someone's leadership abilities when they have to deal with challenges and how they address those challenges. To your point there, you know, when you see how people handle challenges or they're willing to take on these challenges and these risks, it really certainly tells you something about someone. I think it says something to the people that they lead because, you know, they see the willingness there. So that's great to hear that. All right, Doug, I've got one final question for you. We call it the civil engineering career 
elevator advice question. So if you were to get into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and you had to give them career advice in that short period of time, what career advice would you give to them? I'm going to actually steal this from um, Sidney Dewberry, the founder of Dewberry Companies. And I remember when I uh, interviewed with him many years ago, it stuck out to me, one of the questions uh, or one of the discussions we had, and that is um, there's three things you have to do to be successful in the civil engineering business. The first is you have to get the work, right? You have to find the projects, win the projects, get the work. The second part of it, and it's often the easiest part, is you have to do the work, whether it's design, whether it's construction inspection, QA, QC, whatever it is, you have to do it. The third, and probably most overlooked by some of the younger civil engineers in the business, is you have to get paid for the work. And that sometimes is more difficult than the finding the work and doing the work. Sidney Dewberry, he's really a legend in the world of civil engineering. I'm glad you quoted him there, and it was a great way to kind of round this this episode out. So once again, Doug Frost, Senior Vice President Dewberry, thank you so much for spending some time with us. The project that you know you're working on, the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel Expansion Project, is really an amazing project. And for those of you that want to check it out a little bit more, again, you can head over to hrbtexpansion.org. There's a really cool video that you can watch to kind of fly over the entire project, the existing versus what the proposed is going to look like. There's a map there. But of course, you can't really hear about, you know, some of the stuff that Doug talked about, some of like the different components of the project and and all that stuff. We enjoyed Doug stopping by and talking about it. So Doug, thanks so much for spending some time with us. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. I always like hearing about mega projects. In fact, we have another episode coming up with a project manager who's worked on a lot of mega projects. They're just interesting. I mean, you heard Doug talk about taking apart the machine and transporting it and just the whole process to me is, I guess, one of the reasons I became a civil engineer because I just think it's so interesting. And just think about the impact that projects like these have on the lives of so many people. It really, truly is inspiring. So remember that you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 163. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And remember, check out engineerpeopleskills.com if you're interested in learning how you can build your people skills. You don't have to register for our new Engineering Leadership Accelerator course that opens next week. You can just watch the six videos that we produce that are completely free where I literally walk you through the steps for building your people skills. I provide a productivity tool that you can use. I provide you with some insight into the one attribute that a lot of engineers fail to cultivate. That's really the underlying foundation for being a great people leader. And I just hope you take the time to check those out. I think they'll be helpful for you. And I think these free videos are more valuable than a lot of courses out there, quite frankly. And again, that's at engineerpeopleskills.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.